Welcome to the LC Parent Podcast, where we get real about the struggles, victories, and laughs we share as parents. Oh, gosh. Thank you all so much for being with us today on this episode of the LC Parents Podcast. As always, you guys, I, I know I say this every time, but I cannot believe the kinds of people that God brings to be guests on this show. And I am so pumped about who you get to hear from today. Today, I want you all to meet my friend, Kara Powell. Kara, say hi. Hey, Allie. Great to be with you and everyone. (laughs) Thank you so much. You guys, you're in for it. I just want you to grab a cup of coffee. uh, Just get, get out a notepad. Get your pen out. Get your journal. Because you are getting ready to be amazed, mind blown. This is one of the premier researchers in young people. She is the chief of leadership formation and the executive director of the Fuller Youth Institute. And she's also an associate professor of youth and family ministry. Kara has also written so many books. I can't even list them all off, but I am going to list them in the show notes. And we're going to feature them this month on the LC Parents Instagram and in our LC Parents Facebook group. You guys, there are 11,000 of you in that Facebook group. Invite your friends to come join our group. It is a great place to find community. It's a great place to find encouragement, prayer, and ideas for what it means to lead your family closer to Jesus. And so we are going to feature all of Kara's stuff there. But Kara, you have been such a friend to Life Church. You've definitely been a mentor to me and inspired me and challenged me over the years as a pastor and as a mom. And I, I just want to thank you for that, first of all. So thank you for being on the show today. Well, my pleasure. This was an easy yes for me, Allie. I'm such a fan of yours and Vince Parker and Craig and Bobby Greenwald and everybody I meet at Life Church. So this was an, an easy yes and an honor. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. And they all are fans of yours as well. So just know that. So tell us a little bit about you and your family, where you live, age of your kids and those kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. So my husband and I live in Pasadena and we have for our whole 25 years of marriage, we have a 21 year old who's a junior, Nathan at Rice in Houston. So I look for any excuse, any excuse to speak in in Texas, I I accept, (laughs) was just there last weekend actually. And, And then Krista is our middle. She's a 19 year old at Pepperdine. She's on spring break this week. So I get to take her on an overnight tonight. I'm super excited about That's that. Fun. Yeah. We're just driving an hour away and, and spending the night in a hotel, which I'm really lo- looking forward to. And then Jessica, our youngest is a 10th grader learning to drive at age 15 and a half. And so those are our three kids. So I am living youth and young adult ministry in our family every, <laughs> every day. That's for sure. So Yes, you are. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I want to get into a a few things with you. First of all, I want to tell you, we're going to get into some specifics about a book that you've written that you don't know this yet, but you have really shaped the programming of our ministry. And we're going to get there in a minute, but you are an expert in the emerging generation. And when Mm -hmm. I say that, I, I, I don't say that flippantly. You, that's your whole life, is researching, gathering people together from different organizations, ministries, secular world, young people themselves, and understanding more about them. You know, Karen, in order to shape up our whole time together, I want to start with something that I've heard you talk about on another podcast. And that I just think these are three great questions for young people in general, but particularly you were sending off your middle daughter 
to college. And you asked her three truly shaping questions and you were setting her up. What were those questions? Yep. Thanks for asking, Allie. So, you know, based on our research, as Dave and I talked about what we wanted Krista to be reflecting on as she went to college, you know, we've seen the power of the first four days for a college student or somebody who's in the workforce, the military, like those first four days set a trajectory. So we talked with her about, I think she moved in on a Thursday. So, you know, what was she going to do Friday? What was she going to do Saturday? What was she going to do Sunday in terms of going to church? Because she had already identified a church she was interested in. So that's the first one. What's your plan for the first four days? Secondly, what are you looking for in a friend? Because social connections are so trajectory setting for young people, especially in new environments. So we wanted her to think about, you know, who, who, what kind of qualities are most important to you as you're starting over socially? And then the third one is who are you going to stay in touch with if or when you struggle? One of the themes in our research is just the power of intergenerational relationships. And so, you know, with all of our kids, in fact, I just did this with my 15-year-old driving in the car this week. I asked her, you know, what adults would you reach out to if you needed to talk to uh, them about something you were struggling with? Because I just want to make sure I'm in touch with that. I usually let those adults know that one of our kids has said, hey, you know, if I had to, I'd reach out to them. And so, you know, with that third question, who are you going to stay in touch with if, not when, you struggle? Or I should say, who are you going to stay in touch with when, not if, you struggle? Because I think right, right. all young people struggle. Well, so she named a teacher who has been a mentor. And, you know, as I said, our, our daughter is home this week for spring break. And so, you know, her first few days, I was like, okay, well, when do you think you might have a chance to go see that teacher? Um, because, right. you know, we just want to catalyze her staying in touch with that teacher. And so if she visited school her high school yesterday, hung out with the teacher after school. And so those are the three. What's your plan for the first four days? What are you looking for in a friend? And who are you going to stay in touch with when, not if, you struggle? You know what? Those are such great questions. Mm. Really, for any transitional period, I even think yeah. about a kid moving from elementary to middle totally, school. Totally, totally. Like, what are we going to do those for? Because even thinking about shaping your study habits, yep. getting yourself organized, like what do yep. your first four days look like? And then choosing your friends. You know, I think a lot of times we as parents assume that friendship development is so automatic. Right. You, know, you, you move to middle school, you automatically make friends. You move to high yeah, school, like, you move to college. Like by lunch the first day, right? Yes. It feels like yes. we think our kids are going to make friends, but it's a lot more agonizing, a lot more trial and error yes. than that. And so you're yes. right. Whatever the new environment is for our kids, even a new class, you know, moving from second to third grade even comes with some transition. And yes. so, you know, what are you looking forward to in a friend this year? What adult mm-hmm. is a safe place for you to talk to? I mean, I think we can talk to our elementary age yes. kids about that. So you're totally right, Allie. We can ask so these questions good. at any time. You know, too, what I love about that, the intentionality when you're, we're asking our kids, tell me what you're looking for as you're making friends this year in middle school or your first year of college. Because what that does is it tells them, don't accidentally Right. create a group of people around right. you. Right, right, right. I accidentally created a group of people around me in high yeah. school. Yeah. And, you know, and I was the accidental choice of others. <laughs> yeah. So we weren't necessarily the best influence because yeah. it wasn't intentional. So I yeah. love that you asked that question and you're causing your kids to think about it. Yeah. Let's be intentional. And the the mentor question, who's, the, who's an adult yeah. that you're going to contact 
when things get dicey. Yeah, yeah. Again, so, so good. So thank you for sharing that. I, I love that. But you, when we think about the emerging generation, usually, you know, the generational experts always have, you know, these adjectives to, to describe, yeah. you know, my generation, the generation yeah. after mine. Yeah. What are the three things that you're seeing that your research shows? What are the three primary adjectives that describe this emerging generation and also help yeah. us understand when we talk about this emerging generation, what, what group are we talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think we've been talking about millennials so long that we right. forget that millennials are over 20. I mean, kind of the, the yeah. standard birth rate or birth ages for millennials is 1980 to 2000. So they're 20 right. to 40 years old. So, you know, when I, when I think about the parents who are listening to that, to this podcast and my own kids, we're talking about the next generation, which I like referring to as Gen Z, those born after 2000, kind of 2000 to 2020. And so it, our team, we felt like it was time to, we, again, we've studied millennials so much. Now let's look at Gen Z. And so we looked at all the research and that we had done that others have done. And we landed on these three words, um, First, this generation is an anxious generation. And I hate yes. to start with a negative, but that's just the reality. I mean, Allie, I'm sure you and uh, other leaders at Life Church and, and all of us as parents, we were just surrounded by reminders of the challenges of mental health for young yes. people right now. You know, I, mm -hmm. I think uh, kids have been isolated for some or all of the last two years. And that just turns up the heat on their anxiety, on their depression. CDC data indicates that depression and anxiety have either tripled or quadrupled in the last two years. And it was already very high pre-pandemic. So this generation, it's a generation struggling with mental health. It's an, it's an anxious generation. That's number one. Number two, this generation is an adaptive generation. This generation yes. is so creative. I mean, we see this with what they do at TikTok. We see this with yeah. what they do with how they take pictures, how they express themselves in so many ways, how they express themselves through music, through writing, through gaming, through computer programming. Like this generation is creative and they are innovative. So I, I love how this generation is just it, opening up new paths for all of us because yes. they're so adaptive. And then number three, this generation is diverse. You know, in the midst of everything that happened in 2020 in the U.S., we crossed a line, according to the U.S. Census, that 50% of those under 18 are now young people of color and 50% are white. And so this is the most ethnically, racially, and culturally diverse generation our country's ever seen. And I think that's something to really celebrate and see yes. how God's image is in every single person. So those are the three words we've landed on, anxious, adaptive, and diverse. That's, that's interesting. And, and as I'm listening to you say that, it's so true. As I lead kids and student ministry here in just this one little pocket, yeah. what I'm loving about the diversity piece is that, yes, they are, they are diverse themselves, but they also have this new level of appreciation for yeah. diversity. They yeah. love to surround themselves with people yeah. that aren't like them. Yeah. You know, yeah. they, they want to be in community with people who don't look the same, that don't have the same interests, that aren't from the same cultural background or socioeconomic totally. background. I'm loving how accepting this yeah. generation is of yeah. diversity. So yeah. we all actually should take a page out of their book. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, absolutely. We have a lot to learn from them. And, you know, building yes. on that, Allie, like this generation's heart for those who are marginalized 
just yes. continues to inspire me, honestly, whether it's those who are racially marginalized, economically marginalized, differently abled with what's happening in Ukraine, you know, to hear young yes. people really grieve over and process Ukraine. My daughter was hanging out. My 15 year old was hanging out with one of her closest friends from church last night. And so as I picked her up, I said, you know, so what'd you and Maddie talk about? She's like, well, we talked about how we felt about Ukraine. Way to talk about, you know, the needs of others beyond themselves. So, you know, there's yes. certainly a degree to that this generation is self-focused, which developmentally, you know, they are more aware of themselves and they, they're growing in their vision and heart for others, especially those who are marginalized. Yes, that, I'm so glad you pointed that out. That's that's fantastic. So true. It's interesting. I just want to give an encouragement to parents. You know, uh, uh, when you have a 13 year old who is who is seeing the news and they see something that's happening to a group of people, and they come up with an idea of how they can help, oftentimes that's the idea of it feels like a 13 year old person's idea, right? Totally. And it's difficult sometimes as a parent or a person with a little more life on them to not maybe make light of that idea. Yep. Sometimes we might laugh or we might say, honey, that's yep. not going to help. Yep. Let's not do that. Yep. Let's find ways to encourage the fact yep. that they're ideating about how to serve and love yep. people who are yeah. marginalized. Yeah. So thank you for bringing that up. I love that. Um, you have written a book. I want to get to this because, again, you have shaped what we're doing um, and what we're focusing on. Great. But you've written a book called Three big questions that change every teenager. Yep. How, what are those big questions? Why are they important? And then how can the church, schools, and parents partner together to help surround kids with the answers or at least the opportunity and the space to wrestle with the answers to some of those questions? Yeah, yeah. You know, I can tell a story to illustrate why the questions are important. I was talking to a friend of mine who's a youth leader, and she had just had a 15-year-old come to her and say, I wish the church would stop giving me answers to questions I'm not asking. Whoa. Whoa is right. Yeah. <laughs> I wish the church would stop giving me answers to questions I'm not asking. And, you know, I think we can fill in the blank with other nouns there. I wish my family, I wish my school would stop giving me answers to questions I'm not asking. And so that really drove our team to say, okay, you know, on, on any, on a given day, young people are asking questions about technology, questions about what college they're going to, questions about their schedule, questions about who they're hanging out with this weekend, questions about, you know, what they're going to post on social media. That's kind of the, the daily more surface questions. We wanted to understand what are the questions beneath the questions? Like what are the really deep questions that drive and fuel those questions about, you know, social media and peers and college, et cetera. And so we did a deep dive with 27 very diverse teenagers from around the country. We spent four to six hours with each of them, not all in one sitting, chunked up over two, three, four meetings. And by the way, we give in the book, we give over 300 questions that any adult can use, many oh, wow. of which come from those interviews. Mm -hmm. And then we looked at over 2,000 teenagers we've been surveying over the last years, as well as other research. And this is where we landed on these three big questions that we think are bubbling beneath the surface for every one of us. And they're especially bubbling for young people. So the first one is a question of identity. Who am I? That's something that mm. that 14-year-old, that 22-year-old, they're wondering. That 7-year-old is wondering. Identity. Second question is belonging. Where do I fit? And some of my psych colleagues at Fuller, where I teach, they would actually say that belonging 
is kind of the, the tip of the arrow of the three questions that our sense of community very much shapes our identity, which is that first question, as well as the third question, which is purpose, which we've somewhat been talking about already, Ali. You know, young people wondering, what difference can I make? So identity, belonging, and purpose. And uh, let me just tell you, as Dave, my husband, and I, as we've tried to look at our own kids and young people and ourselves through the lens of identity, belonging, and purpose, our ongoing struggles in those areas, the way God's trying to grow us, our insecurities in those areas. Like, I feel like I understand myself and my kids so much better and young mm -hmm. people in general. So, you know, I would invite all of us as parents, step parents, guardians, grandparents, like to use these as lenses through which we view our kids. And, it, you know, just this week, actually, with one of our kids, they were making a choice that just kind of surprised me and Dave. And as we were talking about it, like we said, oh, that's because they're looking for belonging and they're choosing the, the, the safest path, the path that they know to experience belonging with some friends instead of reaching out and making some different friendships. And so, you know, even three days ago, as Dave and I were processing something that wasn't making sense with one of our kids, like the penny dropped when we thought about it through those lens of identity, belonging, and purpose. So if your young person is doing something that doesn't make sense, seems out of character, leaves you scratching your head, Ask, are they trying to figure out their identity? Are they trying to find belonging? Are they trying to experience purpose? And usually you'll better understand them at that point. So, so good. The identity thing is, gosh, I, I don't want to sound like, you know, the old lady who says things are so different today. But <laughs> yeah. the truth is there yeah. are so many influences telling a young person who totally. they are. Totally. And so often it's based on, how you feel determines yep. who you are. Yep. What you do, are you a basketball yep. player? Then you yep. are a basketball. What happens when you get a knee injury and you can't play basketball anymore? Right. You right. know, or I, you know, just I was just having a conversation with some teenagers last night at our student ministry switch, and some of the girls were identifying themselves as Brandon's girlfriend. Mm. You're so much more than that. Yeah. And it's so important as church leaders and as yeah. parents that we help, we, we know the standard, right? Yeah. We know there is one source of truth and yeah. that is what does Jesus say? What does God say? You were made in the image of God. And so however we can consistently draw students back, yeah. don't be confused. Yeah. There's lots of inputs. Yeah. There's only one that really matters, right? And so yeah. talk about that. What are some of the things that you're seeing as far as the influences that are shaping young people's sense of identity yeah. and how we might be able to help them. Well, they are myriad, as you pointed out. There's just so many forces that are shaping how young people, how young people think of themselves. And so in our research, we tried to understand like what, what are young people currently using as answers to each of these questions and what's mm -hmm. a more Jesus-centered answer. And so, you know, you've, you've really hinted, Allie, or named outright the two ways that young people currently answer the question of identity. They feel like they are what others expect. So mm -hmm. I am what my teachers expect, my family expects, my friends, my employer, uh, my church, et cetera. And so they feel like they have all these different theaters of action in which they're mm -hmm. trying to measure up. And then the second way that they tend to answer the next question of identity is they feel like they're not blank enough, Ooh. partly because there's so many forces that are telling them who they should be. They feel like they're not pretty enough, popular enough, smart enough, talented enough. 
for Latino and African-American and sometimes Asian young people, they don't feel Latino, Black, or Asian enough. Uh, wow. or they don't feel white enough. Right. So, so there's kind of this double layer for kids of color of feeling like they don't measure up as their, their various worlds are intersecting. And so then we stepped back as a team and said, what's the answer we want to give young people? And I mean, I encourage each family and each parent to think about what they, what they would say to their young person. But for us, we wanted young people to know that Jesus makes them enough, that Ooh. Jesus makes them more than enough. And, you know, I'll tell you, Allie, I think each one of us as adults, we also have a question where we're kind of continually struggling or at least struggling in the season. And identity is it for me, you know, especially partly because I study so many amazing parents and leaders that then I look especially at my own parenting and go, oh man, I didn't do that very well and I blew it there. And so one of my 10 daily prayers for myself is that that I would know that Jesus makes me enough. Like the very right. thing that I want young people to experience, I'm learning to experience too. And usually if I feel heat about something, if I'm feeling insecure about something, whether it's friendship or whatever it might be, or parenting, like normally it's because I'm not feeling like I'm enough. And so I'm trying to like lean into that truth for myself. So those are some of the current answers and what we want young people and all of us to better experience because Jesus has the best answers for us. Oh, gosh, that's so good. I love that uh, your research is giving us insight into specifically what is it that the you know Gen C group is struggling with. Yeah. And that allows us an opportunity to not answer the question for them. You know, that's one of the things that we talk about here often with our ministry leaders and with parents and educators who are a part of our communities. But we it isn't our job to answer all of the questions, right? Yeah. The, yeah. the the job is to point them to Jesus. Yeah. And allow them to wrestle to the ground. God yeah. is, who is it that you say that I am? Lord, yeah. remind mm -hmm. me what is my value. Yeah. God, help me choose the community at which, you know, iron will sharpen iron and those kinds totally. of things. So totally, I love that. Let's talk a little bit about purpose. Yeah. What is it that your research is, is showing us about how this generation is finding purpose? Yeah. Well, there's some good news when it comes to purpose. The 27 kids that we did these deep dive interviews with, they're all kids from youth group. They were all teenagers nominated by youth ministries around the country. All, every single one of them was serving others. Every single Ooh. one of them was helping some way, uh, whether it was at their church, whether it was through Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, whether it was through their school. And that's, that's really inspiring. On the one hand, the flip side that we saw with kids is they they lacked theological motivation for that like you know this generation wants to serve a lot of times they want to serve because it looks good on a college application because they think their church or their family wants them to etc and so you know what we say for the jesus centered answer for purpose is the reason that you serve is because you're part of god's unfolding story in fact, I had a chance to speak at my my daughter's baccalaureate when she graduated last year. And that was really the heart of my message is, you know, metaphorically, I think God has a book and each of us have a page and we are writing our page as part of God's story. And part of what we as, as adults and as parents, step parents get to do is to journey alongside each of our kids as they're, you know, 
paragraph by paragraph, sentence by sentence, trying to unfold God's story for them. So, you know, feeling like you're part of God's unfolding story for, for a lot of young people, it's so helpful because it's, it's definitely motivating to keep serving, but it alleviates some of the pressures and the unhealthy motivations that we, we often attach to loving our neighbor as ourselves and loving our world. So it's, for us, we think it's really important that there's this core theological motivation of being part of God's unfolding work. Oh, that's so good. I really, that's a, a little bit different perspective, and I love hearing that. And I love the fact you shared that with our, with our listeners. You know, I'm going to, can I be transparent here? For sure. If we're going to talk about like not winning mom of the year, I can remember there being a season where one of my girls in uh, late middle school wanted to serve in the community. And that meant I had to drive her. Oh. And and I can remember actively discouraging her. You know, now I'm aware of what I was, you know, what was actually happening. In the moment, totally. it was just, I wasn't processed. It just, just isn't practical. I just, yeah. how am I going to get you there? And how am I going to get you picked up? And, yeah. and I, I, you know, I discouraged my kid from serving yeah. in her community. And she was yeah. doing it from the most pure place. Yeah. So I, I just want to encourage parents, if you find yourself in that situation, yeah, if it at all possible, like I recognize yeah. there sometimes it's just, it's not possible. Totally. If it at all possible, man, let's, let's pour some fuel on that. If our child shows a glimmer of an yep. interest in serving others, man. Yeah. So yeah, I, I love that you brought all of that up. Well, <laughs> confession for me, it was our son in worship practice. That was what, oh, that was it for me, which was his part of his way of being involved in purposeful work. And, you know, I literally would say to him, do you really have to go to worship practice tonight? Are you sure? I mean, I did that at least five times over, <laughs> you know, his eighth, ninth grade years because I was tired and I didn't want to have to make the two round trips to church. And so right. I totally am with you, Allie. And, you know, that's why... I'm so glad that parenting is not something we have to do alone. Yes. You know? And I'm so grateful for friends who step in and help, help with transportation. You know, we, we're meant to be in community. And so even tonight, I, I, my husband's out of town on a work trip, which is super rare for him. I'm doing this overnighter with our 19-year-old. So another volleyball parent is driving our 15-year-old home tonight. And I, we drove her daughter home two nights ago. So we did kind of a swap. And I, you know, that's the kind of community that we need to be in because parenting is tiring. So we need that support for sure. So, Well, you're, you just read my mail because one of the focuses of this podcast, every single episode is to point parents to community. Yeah. You know, we, we need each other and that's okay. We need, yeah. we, we need practical assistance. Hey, let's help yeah. each other out. We also yeah. need encouragement and prayer. Yeah. And we, sometimes we need somebody to kind of slap us around and go, Hey, yeah. that's not who you are. Don't parent that way. Right. Totally. Which is, which is our sense of belonging too, right? We're wrestling with yes. these very questions. And so, you know, you're totally right, Allie. One of my 10 prayers for myself relates to friendship that I would be a good friend to my close friends and I would have good friends. And that takes proactivity, that takes vulnerability, that takes, like you've said, letting our friends speak into our lives and say, you know, I'm a little concerned about this or it feels like you're getting tired or have you thought about, I mean, I, I wanna have those kind of friendships and it takes, it, takes a, it takes energy to have those. But we need that sense of belonging just like our eight and 18 year olds do. Yes. So, so true. Well, I'm looking at the clock and I cannot yeah. believe that we're already close to being out of time. Uh, I could, I, I would love to spend about 
10 of these episodes, just talking to you about all the various research that you've done and your personal parenting and all of those things. But it, it, for us to wrap this up and kind of put a bow on today, what are, what's one final thought that you have for parents based on helping this emerging generation wrestle with the questions of identity, belonging, and purpose? Yeah, I would say, as I've said already, may these be the lenses through which we start to view all human behavior, ours, right. our kids, and maybe even others. And they just feel, viewing my kids through these lenses fills me with so much empathy. And and so maybe that's the final thought I'd, I'd want to leave with Allie is- I love like that. It, in our research, you know, whether it's research on leadership, whether it's research on parenting, whether it's research on marriage, I mean, basically almost anything, one of the early steps is always empathy. Like, can we really feel and understand what this person is feeling? And, you know, as long as, this is a challenge to me, okay? As long as we think, I don't understand how they could. I don't right. understand how they could act that way. I don't understand how they could make that choice. Or this is convicting for me. I don't understand how they could vote that way. Right, right. Uh, which we're not we're not talking about politics, but the same principle applies. Like as sure. long as long as we view other people with I don't get how they could, then oh. I don't think we've fully empathized. And so if we're feeling that way about our kids or our spouse then I think that's a time for me and you and all of us to pause and say, okay, I'm not fully empathizing. I need to better understand how they're hungering for identity, belonging, and purpose. And to, to wait a moment to interact with them until we have that clear understanding. So, so that, I, that, I would say that's the power of empathy. That was gold. That, that is the best way to wrap this up. I wasn't expecting Good. that. And that was amazing. Thank you so much for bringing that final point. Again, I, I want to point out the show notes will have all of her great resources. Be sure and follow us on LC Parents on Instagram. Join our LC Parents Facebook group. Kara, again, thank you so, so much for being here. We appreciate you so much. Oh, my pleasure. It's, it's always a, an honor to cross paths with you, Allie, and the rest of your team. So blessings on all the parents. Thanks. Thank you. All right. We'll see you guys this week at church. 